Hey, hey there, Math Moment Makers. In this special episode of the podcast, uh, we're going to be highlighting and showcasing one of our favorite new podcasts that are out there. It's the Debate Math Podcast. Uh, recently, in episode four of the Debate Math Podcast, uh, both John and his daughter, Lucy, went head to head against myself and my daughter, Talia, in the debate is a hot dog a sandwich yeah in this cross-posted episode you're going to hear the two hosts of the debate math podcast chris lesniak and rob Byer, skillfully pose questions that prompt some insightful thinking as well you're going to hear some fits of laughter here in this episode so we're excited to share that with you let's get to it kyle all right here we go Welcome to the Making Math Moments That Matter podcast. I'm Kyle Pierce. And I'm John Orr. And we are from MakeMathMoments.com. We are two math teachers who together with you, the community of math moment makers worldwide who want to build and deliver problem-based math lessons that spark curiosity, fuel sense-making, and ignite your teacher moves. My friends, We are super excited to be able to share this episode, as we said, from the Debate Math Podcast. Uh, Chris and Rob are both great colleagues, but also great facilitators of discourse. And you're going to hear that in this episode. And uh, John, I don't know about you, when they reached out to us and said, hey, listen, we've got this pretty wild episode because usually, I believe, on their podcasts, uh, we've listened to the first three episodes and our episode as well, they actually bring on educators to engage in this process. And uh, and yet, we went all the way down, all the way down to uh, grade two for my daughter, Talia. And Lucy's what, grade five, grade six? Six. six. Grade six for a debate. And uh, I'll be honest, John, at first... I was kind of a little nervous. Like I was like, I don't know what this is going to be like. I've never even, I was never on a debate team or anything like that, Uh, but we trusted the process. And I'm telling you uh, how awesome I I felt so great for the girls who got this experience. And, uh, and I had a little bit of fun grinding you two uh, in the conversation. Totally, totally, totally. Yeah. And Chris and Rob are doing such a great job of implementing debates in their classrooms chris he's got a book out on debate math he's got his website that gives you so many resources on debating in math class we actually i think it was a couple years ago we were in his session at nctm which he got people up to debate different ideas like involving debate in your classroom is such a great idea and that's the whole purpose of this new podcast that they've started in this last year it gives you so many benefits to think about why reasoning improving can be brought out through debate and that you'll mm-hmm. see that here in this episode with us and uh like kyle said our two daughters so before we get into our episode if you want to listen to more debate math podcasts you can search it on any podcast platform they're on all of them and if you want a little bit more deep dive, you can head on over to lesniak.com slash podcast to learn a little more. So that's L-U-Z. Hey, I said Z. That's right. N-I-A-K.com slash podcast to learn a little bit more. Kyle, let's lay it on them. Let's, let's uh, do let's it. hit record here on the Debate Math podcast from episode four of that same name. Here we go. All right. See you on the other side. So Common Core, standard of math practice number three, states that we should have students construct viable arguments and critique the reasoning of others. So let's get some practice with that. We have a very unique debate today with some possibly familiar faces and names who you normally see together, but we decided to split them up. (laughs) We wanted to have some fun and explore a debate you may have had at some point, an exercise in definitions and argumentation that can be fun or serious. So today we have... Two family teams of two debating the resolution. A hot dog is a sandwich. And here debating for the resolution that a hot dog is a sandwich. We have a fantastic father-daughter team led by a high school math teacher, John Orr. Hi, John. 
Hey, Chris. Thanks so much for having us. And with me today is my daughter, Lucy Orr, a grade six student here in Tilbury. Hi, Lucy. Hi. John, can you tell us, our listeners, where you are and what your current role is? Yeah, sure thing. We live in Tilbury, Ontario, Canada, which is just a little to the west of Toronto and actually a little south of Detroit. So pretty close to Detroit, very close to where Kyle is from as well. And I'm a high school math teacher right now. I am teaching three different sections. I've got a grade 10 class. I've got a grade 11, 12 class, and I've got a grade nine class. Very good. And Lucy, can you tell us what grade you're in and what math topic you're learning right now? I'm in grade six, and right now we're learning about fractions, decimals, and percentage all together. Excellent. All right. And now the question we ask all of our guests, and and I'll throw this to you here, John. When did math first become controversial to you? Yeah. You know what? I knew you guys were going to ask this because of the episodes I've listened to in the past. And I feel like when I first started teaching, I felt like as a math teacher, there was like one way to teach math. It was like, this is the way my dad is a math teacher. I had seen him teach math. I had seen all my teachers teach it the exact same way he taught math. And when I became a math teacher and started to realize that I needed to to change the way I was teaching math because I taught math in that very traditional way that my father did it, the way my all my high school teachers did it. And when I realized I needed to change that, I became, it almost became like controversial because I was doing something different and it was different than what my dad had done. It was different than what my teachers had done, the teachers in my department were doing. And so I felt like it was like I was an outsider. And and I know there's some other people that are like that too. And I felt like I didn't realize that math could be excluding people. I felt excluded from my school and my department because I was doing those things. And it was my first instance or my first glance of realizing that, that math can exclude people. And since then, I've learned so many different ways math can exclude people. And it's a big journey of mine to like think about how can I include as many people as we can into mathematics learning. But that was my kind of first kind of switch that could possibly math itself, math teaching, math learning can be that thing that separates individuals. Very good. Thank you. And welcome to you both. Thank you for having us. We're excited. And here debating against the, uh, the resolution that a hot dog is not a sandwich. We have a fantastic father-daughter team led by K-12 math consultant and high school math teacher, Kyle Pierce. Hi, Kyle. Hey, how are we doing, friends? Thanks for having us. Hey, can you tell us where you are and what your current role is? So my current role, as you mentioned, is a K-12 math consultant. And like John, came out of the secondary panel. So I spent all of my own classroom time in the secondary panel. Now that I'm in this role, though, I'm spending tons of time in elementary. And that's where I've done, I would argue, most of my pedagogical learning, as well as my content knowledge learning. So it's been a fantastic journey. And I'm in Bell River, Ontario with my daughter, Tally. I'll let her introduce herself in a moment. And that is just about 20 minutes up the road from John. So just south of Detroit and Windsor, Ontario, and three or so hours away from Toronto. That's us. And hi, Talia. Can you tell us what grade you're in and what math topic you've most recently been learning? I'm in grade four and I'm learning multiplication and division. Oh, wow. All right. That's exciting stuff. Now, so, Kyle, the question that we ask all of our guests, when did math first become controversial to you? I knew John was going to say what he just said. And my story is an awful lot like his. So I kind of changed my thoughts on that a little bit. My story, I thought I knew a lot about mathematics when I went into university because my grades suggested that I did. I never really thought I knew much about it, but the grades said it. So I kind of went with that. And going past my experience, I had a lot of struggles in university with math. But then into teaching, what I realized at some point was holy smokes, like I hadn't seen the conceptual side of the math. So I know that still sounds a lot like John's story. But what I'm realizing more and more now, as we dig into the nuance of how the math develops, that there's such a massive story that we could tell and we could learn as both students and educators, that was never told, like I never experienced that side. And It's so interesting because now that I'm in this role and I'm trying to help other educators see that side, 
it's very controversial because a lot of people say like, this is just the way it is, right? So again, still mirroring a lot of what John said here, I just find that once you have your own epiphanies about how, for example, Talia's doing multiplication and division that, hey, there's two types of division. We talk about it on the podcast all the time. That's my big epiphany over the past couple of years and that it influences so many other concepts up the roadmap, including ratios and rates. That to me is like mind blowing. And there's so much controversy when we get into that proportional reasoning land, when we start saying, like, what's a ratio? What's a rate? How does it work? All of those things to me makes math really controversial when all the way through my own learning, it was pretty simplistic. Like I thought it was just like you pump in some numbers and out come some answers and that's what it is. So I look at it more like you would look at like a literacy sub, like how we look at English, how there's so many different perspectives to it. And for me, I think that's such a fascinating discovery for myself and for all of us in the math world to be able to sort of bring that to more students that are growing up. Excellent. Thank you both. And with that, let's get into the debate. We begin with opening statements from each of our speakers. You each have two minutes to present your arguments. And based on the coin flip before this recording, we are starting with the pro side that a hot dog is a sandwich. So John and Lucy, you are first. Lucy, are you ready? Your time We'll begin right now. All right. Thanks so much, guys. Lucy is going to, we've prepared an opening statement together, but Lucy, hey, she's got the guts here. She's going to read it out loud for everybody. All right, Lucy, take it away. I believe that there's a bunch of things that are sandwiches, like an Oreo cookie is a sandwich, an ice cream sandwich is a sandwich, and a peanut butter jelly sandwich is a sandwich. Also, a hamburger is a sandwich. So why can't the meat and a hot dog and with bread be a sandwich? It can because all those other things are sandwiches. They're just not called sandwiches. I believe the hot dog is between the bread or on top of the bread to be a sandwich. Also, technically, a piece of bread with any sort of filling inside is a sandwich. Just because something's not called a sandwich doesn't necessarily mean that it's not a sandwich. It's basically a special type of sandwich. Like my dad's favorite sandwich is a Reuben's sandwich. Mm -hmm. That's yummy. It's just called something different. So that is a special type of sandwich. That's why I believe that hot dog is a sandwich. Well done. Thank you. And now we'll hear from the opposing side. That's Kyle and Talia. You are opposed to the fact that a hot dog is a sandwich. And you have two minutes and your time begins now. All right. Talia is going to take us through this one as well. Go for it, T-Bird. Say you had a busy day and you're looking for your next meal. Your parents ask you what you want on your sandwich. You say, I'm so hungry, I will take any sandwich. But do you know what I guarantee they won't give me? A hot dog. Because a hot dog is definitely not a sandwich. Here are three warrants why I think a hot dog is different than a sandwich. A sandwich has two pieces of bread, while a hot dog bun is a single piece of bread. When's the last time you've heard someone ask for a single piece of bread for a sandwich, you add toppings to a hot dog without removing a bun, while the ingredients added to a sandwich require removing the top piece of bread. You can almost add unlimited amount of toppings to a sandwich, whereas a hot dog has its limits with no bread to hold it in. For these three warrants, it should be clear to all that a hot dog is clearly not a sandwich and has its own unique category outside of the sandwich category. Wow. So you gave us a lot to think about. So one side is saying that a sandwich is literally bread with filling. And the other side is saying, if I ask for a sandwich, they're not going to give me a hot dog. So let's dive into this a little more here in our question around, does temperature matter? This is for both teams. Does it matter if it's hot or cold to call it a sandwich? And maybe start over here with Talia. I see you nodding. Yeah, I don't know if this came up in our pre-planning meeting here. What do you think? Hey, Math Moment Makers, Kyle here. And I've got just a quick message specifically for our district level mathematics decision makers out there. 
Do you feel like you're spinning your wheels when making district-level goals for mathematics programming from kindergarten through grade 12? Setting new goals each year only to find little to no real shift in pedagogical practice or educator content knowledge across the district as a whole? Take a moment to book a short call with our team so we can learn more about your specific district and educator learning needs in mathematics so we can assist you in taking the first step of many in the right direction. Visit makemathmoments.com forward slash district to book a web call with our team today. We have a limited number of spots for districts just like yours, so don't wait. Head to makemathmoments.com forward slash district and grab a spot in our calendar now. For a hot dog, usually it has like the hot dog is usually warm. Then a sandwich, you could have something warm in it, but it's usually not a hot dog. And Lucy, do you want to add anything to that? A hamburger is warm. Yeah, that's the warm sandwich. Oh, there you go. Okay. Are you able to have a cold sandwich? I was just saying, I especially like on Thanksgiving the next day, hot turkey sandwiches. Mm. And you know what an interesting thing about a hot turkey sandwich, even though the sandwich is hot, because obviously we've all had sandwiches that are cold, but a hot turkey sandwich, a lot of times it's also called an open faced sandwich and which is one piece of bread, right? One piece of bread. And then you put the meat on and then there's gravy on top of that. Yeah, open face sandwich with one piece of bread is a hot sandwich. Still called a sandwich. When he said open face sandwich, it made it sound as if you had to specifically articulate that part of the actual sandwich was missing. Like it was like it's open face because it's not like a regular sandwich. If you went to a restaurant and asked for a hot turkey sandwich, you don't have to articulate that it is an open face sandwich. It's just a special name we give to that type of sandwich. I feel like the story changed. What do you think? I don't know. (laughs) But that's good. That's good. (laughs) I don't know. The story changed. Kind of following up then, I'm curious about both sides of your definition. Does it have to have like a top and a bottom bread or whatever on top and bottom? Or can it be just open faced? Yeah. See, I think our definition, and this is what makes this and many other debates very interesting is sort of what is your definition? I think we've used the definition that a sandwich has two pieces of bread, right? Because that was some in your warrants as well. Because if you have one piece of bread, it's not really a sandwich. Yeah, that just feels so intuitive. A sandwich (laughs) has two pieces of bread to hold it all together. But I don't know, like, if you have one piece of bread, it's not a sandwich. Right. Talia, can I ask you a question? So... When we think of a sandwich, does it have to be bread? Could we have two leaves of lettuce and have some toppings in between the lettuce? Would that still be considered a sandwich? Yeah. Or does it have to be bread? It doesn't have to be bread, but it just has to be two things that holds all the stuff inside. Oh, so it's almost like you. Yeah, that's a really good question, because I think you and I were saying bread, but now we're sort of saying that didn't matter as much as the two-ness of it. Right. Would you agree? Like we were thinking like you have to have like these two things to kind of hold it together. I think we're curious over here about a question for you guys. Is a wrap a sandwich? Yeah, like if you use a wrap, it's a sandwich. Is that a sandwich? No, not for us. <laughs> it's called the wrap because if it was a sandwich, it would be called the sandwich, but it's called a wrap. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Special own category, just like a hot dog. It's definitely special. <laughs> Almost curious also, too. It's like the fact that you're saying two separate pieces, but we could have this bending nature that creates a top. Wouldn't you say like mm-hmm. if I took a big piece of bread instead of cutting? Because it really... Two pieces of bread is from the same loaf. Wouldn't you say so? Right. And it's like we cut cut the same piece of bread, which is a loaf of bread is the same piece of bread. You cut it and then you put it on top. Now, isn't that the same as just say, let's say we had a big piece of bread and then we just wrapped it on top like that. Wouldn't you think that if I had a big piece of bread and I wrapped the top like that, isn't that a sandwich? Well, it could be. But if like that would be basically like a sub. Yeah, that's true. Is a sub a sandwich? Technically. <laughs> so I want to keep going here. Yeah, there's like a, there's 
because a hot dog bun is just the wrap. It's wrapped, right? Yeah, so the hot dog bun wraps around the hot dog. It has, it has a hot dog in it. Hot dogs sideways, and you have a top and a bottom. Yeah, but if you put a hot dog in a sandwich, usually you would be like, that's different. And like, usually if you go to like a hot dog vendor and you say, give me a sandwich, they're going to mm. look at you like you're crazy. True. Because they wouldn't know what you mean. And, and this is just it. And it's interesting, though. I feel like you're going down to first principles of sandwich making, John, which I think is fantastic, right? Like going all the way back to the loaf before it was cut. <laughs> And sort of making it work that way. But I think I'm almost getting more clear on our characteristics of a sandwich or a hot dog. And for us, it's that oneness versus that two-ness. Like a wrap is like one, typically like one piece of bread or pita and it's wrapped together. And the hot dog has its own one bun, unless you rip it apart, as John had mentioned. And the same could be said for a sandwich, but typically it's like when I go to fill up my sandwich, I take that top, I make it an open face sandwich temporarily, right, John? Just like your hot turkey. And then we load everything on there and you can get so much on there and then just toss the top right back on there. And with a hot dog, that is just awfully hard to do. And I just feel like it would just be so unfair to say that you can routinely have the bun and the bun is still attached to the, I just do this and then I load it up. So, Lucy, I'm going to come to you, Lucy. So I know you're writing stuff down. You're doing such a good job of writing it down because I know you're about to come out with some more great stuff. So with you talking about like a meat and some bread, right? What about a taco? Would a taco be considered a sandwich? I mean, with your definition, you said that it would be. (laughs) That's that's what she wrote. For everybody who is listening on the podcast, you definitely want to jump over to YouTube to see this because uh, they held up a sign that Talia wrote that said, no. (laughs) So based on your definition, Lucy, would a taco be a sandwich? No or yes? No. Oh, she's saying no. Why not? Why not? Because the meat's broken up. The meat's broken up. Oh, well, okay. Well, let's see what with Because it's like... Because it's meat's broken up? No. Okay. The meat's broken up. It's not a sandwich. But yes, because they have all the same toppings. So yes, but no. They have the same types of toppings. Yeah. Okay. So then the... She's saying yes and no. (laughs) Yes or no? She is saying yes and no. So then the question I have would be... It's a special sandwich. It's a special sandwich. Just like a hot dog is a special sandwich. It's still a sandwich though. Chris, you have some questions? Yeah, sorry. Let me go over to Talia here. So your dad seemed to think that a sandwich has to have like two parts, like two pieces of bread or something. So then would you call things like a s'more a sandwich? It could be, but a special sandwich. Uh, personally, we never discussed this, but I would call it a special sandwich. That is... Because it has two crackers and then all the things inside, like the chocolate mm-hmm. and marshmallows. Mm-hmm. Except there's so, no meat. There's no, ooh, there's no meat. But it doesn't have to have a meat because sometimes I have a sandwich that has butter and mustard. Well, and I was going to ask, are vegetarians allowed to eat sandwiches? Yeah. They do. You could have lettuce and mustard. Or vegans. And then maybe back to Lucy. So your definition was it's bread with some kind of filling inside. So I'm guessing, would you count a s'more as a sandwich? Because there's no bread involved. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a sandwich. What about two pieces of bread with nothing in the middle? Is that a sandwich? Ooh, that sounds like an almost depleted loaf of bread. That's just bread, yeah. I think I don't think that's a sandwich. That's just a really used loaf of bread, right? I have a question about the... You guys brought up... Yeah, it's just toast. One of your warrants, I think it was warrants, that you said that I think you were implying that a hot dog only has a limited amount of toppings for a hot dog, but a sandwich can have a lot of toppings. Yeah, mm-hmm. because if you put a lot of toppings in a hot dog then the hot dog bun will break and everything will fall out. But then it won't make, like, then it will just spill out. It's like kind of like a gravitational pull that I think is working against you with a hot dog, right? Like if I throw on... I think you have a better luck of holding more stuff in a hot dog bun than in in a sandwich with the two pieces of bread and we call it the sides. This is like a little carrying case for a sandwich. 
But if you have two pieces of bread, then the top and bottom, you could put as much as you want. It could even be that thick. Mm-hmm. But then, but if you put a lot of sauces, just sauces, then that will fall out. But if you put actual toppings, then it won't fall out. So, Talia, I want to ask you a question. So, like, we keep talking about having, like, two pieces of, like, bread or lettuce, and that would be a sandwich. What if two people give you a hug? If two people give you a hug, is it Talia sandwich? Yeah. Because <laughs> there's no filling inside. She's yeah, the filling. I'm the filling. So oh, now, I guess here's my question, and this is for our friends, the pro hot dog is a sandwich friends. If I came and gave John a hug, is that a sandwich? Because, I mean, if a hot dog is a sandwich, then me just hugging John should be a sandwich, should it not? An open-faced hug? An open-faced hug. That's exactly what it is. That's all that is. It's an open-faced hug. It's totally a sandwich. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's a John Kyle sandwich. For both teams, then, does it have to be food to be a sandwich? No. Wow, this has gotten very deep. She had this epiphany. Go ahead. Hot dog is the same thing as bologna. And you put bologna on a sandwich. Interesting. The ingredients. Just a bologna sandwich. That's all we're talking about here. Yeah, but then why do they call it bologna instead of a hot dog? Made of bologna. It's the ingredient. I'm so confused. (laughs) So a question I have then is, would you say if you went and you ordered a bologna sandwich and someone gave you a hot dog, would you walk away feeling like you received what you had ordered? If you say, hey, can I have a bologna sandwich? And they gave you a hot dog. What do you think about that? I'd be pleasantly surprised myself. (laughs) (laughs) But you don't get bologna sandwiches at restaurants. No. But if you ask for a hot dog, they'll give you a hot dog. They won't give you a bologna sandwich. Mm -hmm. Because if you say, can I have a bologna sandwich? They'll give you a bologna sandwich. If you say, can I have a hot dog? They'll give you a hot dog. I think think that's definitely right. I think we're not saying that a hot dog isn't a hot dog. We're just saying it's a special type of sandwich. So now I guess my next question is this would, I'm going to start with Lucy on this. What about a Pop-Tart? Is a Pop-Tart a sandwich? No. Maybe a dessert sandwich or a breakfast sandwich? Yeah, what do you think? Yeah, stuff inside, right? Doesn't have another cracker on top. Well, it's like pastry and then there's like like the jelly or whatever, the filling in the inside of the Pop-Tart. Lucy doesn't have a lot of Pop-Tarts. I had one. She's had one before. (laughs) Well, at least you know what they are. All right, well, let's go over the Italian. Wait, 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 wait. Do we think so? I think so. Based on our definition, right? It's got the surrounding and it's got a filling in the inside. That's a sandwich. And Talia? I don't think it is because a pop chart has like basically like filling inside. But like if you wanted to open it, you would have to like mm. cut it in half or do all that stuff. But for like a sandwich, you could easily just go like take the right. two pieces of bread and open that. it. Yeah. So that's why I don't think it's a sandwich. I just think it's a bit, it's like kind of like a cookie, but. And then we're coming back to like the open faced pop tart again. Holy smokes. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have to call this the open faced episode. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So now coming back to you, Talia, because based on what you just said, what about like, peanuts that are still in the shell that you have to like crack open like would those be considered a sandwich based on your definition no because like you basically have to crack it open so then and then if you wanted to like if we crack and then you can eat the peanuts but then for like a normal sandwich you just go open because you have to crack it open then it's like no to eat the shell Unless you eat the shell, at least you eat the whole. So the act of cracking is where it gets us with our sandwich. So we can't crack it to open it up, correct? I think it's more about the eating of the, the shell. You don't eat the shell. Yeah, Some do. That, that would be like, if you don't eat the shell, then that would be like a double open-faced sandwich. <laughs> like that would be, now we're really getting carried away. Yeah. Well, okay, let's take this a little bit away from food for a moment. I think it was Talia that you said, if you ask for a sandwich, no one's going to ever bring you a hot dog, right? So I'm just curious for both of you to weigh in. How much does it matter what other people think or what like the community tells us is a sandwich or people just seem to know is a sandwich? How much does that matter? Hey there, Math Moment Makers. Are you a dedicated listener? 
Like I'm talking, have you been listening for a couple months, maybe even a couple years? Well, if you haven't taken a moment to leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform, it would mean so much to us. It'll take you under one minute uh, so that you can help more educators see and experience the Making Math Moments That Matter podcast. Uh, Do us this huge solid. Uh, We thank you from the bottom of our hearts. And uh, here is today's episode. It doesn't matter that much. It just matters what you think. But like a lot of people, I'm not saying everyone, but a lot of people think like if you ask for a sandwich, they'll give you like a piece of bread, toppings in it, and then another piece of bread. Like, because like if I even ask my parents, I say, can I have a sandwich? They'll give me like a sandwich. They wouldn't give me a hot dog. (laughs) And something that was interesting to us when you, now that you're asking Chris about what other people think. We were curious to actually look up the definition and try to understand like what is the accepted definition. And the accepted definition says that a hot dog is a sandwich, uh, at least in the dictionary. I looked looked more. Yeah. And like, that's where I got like another thing. It was like, if you went to like a hot dog vendor and asked for a hot dog, they wouldn't get, or you asked for a sandwich, they're going to think like you're crazy because like, If you ask for a hot dog, they're going to give you a hot dog. But if you ask for a sandwich, they're going to be confused because they only sell hot dogs. Yeah. So we were, I guess, kind of maybe shocked that it was actually formally in the definition. But then we started to think about that. And sometimes definitions aren't necessarily maybe widely either known or accepted. And this was one that when we started to think about some of these scenarios, we were like, well, if that's the true definition and that's for real, at least here, in our experience, it doesn't seem to be the case. At least everyone we know doesn't seem to abide by that rule. So we found that kind of interesting as we were just kind of brainstorming on this. I was actually shocked. I was like, why, why don't we look at the definition? That might be good support for us. And we're like, oh, we don't want to talk about the definition when we, <laughs> when we bring this up. <laughs> and so then Lucy, same to you though. Like, How much does it matter what other people believe is a sandwich or you think they would believe does that matter in your definition no you want to elaborate on that does it matter what other people think <laughs> why not because everybody has their own opinion everybody has their own opinion okay and it's okay that we have our own <laughs> okay this last question for me is actually going to go directly to john and kyle this question this hot dog is a sandwich question how is this question useful to math teachers and i'll actually start with kyle And then we'll go over to John right after. So Kyle, how is this question useful for math teachers? Yeah, I think it's great. And actually, I think it's a great follow-up to your discussion around the trapezoid debate, right? That in a math class, I think it's what's most important is less about it being the definition and more about the math community having at least seeing eye to eye on what the definition is. So for example... If Talia and Lucy are in the same class, and let's say it's not a hot dog we're discussing, maybe it's something in math, and they're able to at least voice their their beliefs, their current understandings, or what they believe to be true, and they can articulate that. That thinking, I think, is the piece, which, again, is why both of you are doing this podcast, right? That thinking is really what we're after. It's less about being accurate, quote unquote, whatever that really even means, right? Some person or some group decided that this is what it is. I look at it as all of the thinking I learned through the process of planning with Talia. I thought it was going to be easy for us to prepare for this, but I didn't realize how hard it actually is, especially working with a younger student to sort of understand like, what is a debate? Like, what are we trying to achieve here? So through this process, I just think as long as you're able to sort of, you have some rules. And I realized that some of what we thought our rules were, weren't quite what they appeared to be based on the questioning that both of you had given us is like, oh, wait a second, I didn't really think about that. So it kind of forces us to kind of go back to the drawing board and sort of go, wait a second, maybe we need to redefine our definition a little bit. And I think the process just at least lets you think more deeply about it and involve that thinking. And John, what about you? Yeah, no, I echo all the things that Kyle has just said. And if I toss in the, say, content piece to this, if you think about like this 
knowing the definitions and knowing the properties and of certain elements in mathematics, like we talk, let's talk geometry, like just screaming at me to talk about the definitions between a rectangle and a square or where, like, how do I define a particular type of triangle? Or when we're talking about, say, the distance between a point and a line, there's a lot of geometrical ideas that are rooted in definitions. And when we talk about proofs and geometric proofs all in there. And so, an activity like this, like what Kyle is saying is like really great to bring out the discussion and whether it's right or wrong. But I think it's also really great because it's such a low floor activity, like this activity itself to debate a hot dog is like, an, I feel like a necessary first entry level into this realm of looking at definitions to help prove things or also to help kind of like justify things. And so such a low floor thing to get your kids in your classroom, talking, sharing, debating, you know that they're all going to have opinions about this and you shaping it like you guys did in this yeah, debate. I was going to say the facilitator it. moves was key to keep this right. discussion yeah, going. Right. You shaped it to talk about like certain pieces that would say, well, would this work? Would this work? Like that's such a, a pro move there. And if you think of a teacher is doing that too, kind of shaping that discussion and then all of a sudden going, okay, well, we talked about this definition. Now let's talk about this other one over here. And it's now like this, hey, we already did this. Now we easily can start talking about something else. So I feel like a really nice low floor activity as an entry level into talking about definitions, proofs, that kind of thing in whatever class. Awesome. Well, and to add on to that real quick before I let Chris go, you talked about this being a very low floor. Chris actually has a lot of resources that are very low floor on his website, the lesniac.com website. And one in particular that we have started with as a low floor is like, what's better? Cats are better than dogs or dogs are better than cats. You know, that's another one that even <laughs> low floor. answer again. I mean, there's, <laughs> yeah, right. We should have debated that, Kyle. We should have. So, but like, even with like kindergarten students and first grade students, like you're able to access that with students to get them to kind of not just state a claim, but also have reasoning of why. So that's kind of like why we did this low floor debate, but it's a much grander thing. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah. I have one last question for the girls here, Lucy and Talia. So kind of like what we just asked your dads, I wonder, can you say, what do you think would be the benefits or what good would it be for students to have a debate like this in math class? Do you think that you learned something through this experience? <laughs> I feel good. I wonder, do you feel more confident in what you were thinking before? Like, even though we prepared after doing the debate, do you feel like you could talk about this with somebody else, like even more deeply next time? I know I do. I've got tons of ammo now. Lucy was, I think, just thinking about what we just did here as, what'd you say? Group work. And that's, what, you like group work? It's your favorite. And this is an element of group work. We did some group work here and we discussed. Why do you like group work so much? Because you work with your friends. You get to work with your friends, yeah. And if you don't do group work, you don't get to work with your friends. Is that the case? Okay. Why, why is it fun to work with your friends? Everyone has different ideas so we can put together. Everyone has different ideas that can be put together. Okay, I like it. I like it. I'm wondering too, for both the girls, we had very different opinions, but yet, did you feel like we were like ever in an argument or in like anyone was like raising their voice or even though we were disagreeing, do you feel like how Rob and Chris were helping us facilitate this? Do you feel like this could also be helpful outside of math and just everyday life when you're maybe not agreeing with something. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you think, Luz? You were talking very loud. I was talking loud. <laughs> she called you out, Dad. <laughs> I guess so. Whole family can hear him from upstairs. Look at this. Yeah. Sean was too loud. I was raising my voice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think we can stop there. This concludes our questioning round and we'll now end by giving each side a final minute or two to make their final argument. And we're going to begin with John and Lucy. You have two minutes. Awesome. Thanks so much, guys. So we are going to reiterate that we believe a hot dog is a sandwich. We've got a couple points to make about that. One, mostly kind of making sure that we comment on your guys' points about why it was not a sandwich. But one, we're going to start with Lucy's going to talk about the idea that you guys thought that there was a limited amount of toppings you could put on a hot dog. We disagree. 
cow. Uh, Lucy? The toppings that you could put on a hot dog are chili, cheese, tomatoes, lettuce. Anything else? No. See, that feels pretty <laughs> limiting to me. I don't know. <laughs> are you sure? <laughs> Ketchup? Ketchup, yeah. I think... Mustard, relish. Well, we had talked about that pretty pickles, much. Any, onions. Yeah, pickles, onions, anything you can put on a sandwich, you can put on a hot dog, right? You can put mayonnaise on a hot dog. I it's always super. put mayonnaise on a hot dog. It's disgusting, <laughs> though. I do. Just say I put everything it. on. You also talked about that. There's two pieces of bread. You were really fixated on that. We still disagree with that in the sense that two pieces of bread is still one piece of bread cut. So that's really the saints of bread, which is a hot dog is really the same piece of bread folded. And then the last piece, you guys were talking about this restaurant idea. If you go to a restaurant and you order a hot dog and you get a sandwich, that would be heartbreaking or vice versa. And I think we agree with that piece. And our point there is we're not saying that it is not a sandwich. We're saying it's a special type of sandwich. So, yes, you wouldn't get that if you ordered it, but it's still a sandwich. This is a special. Awesome. (laughs) Thank you both. And with a final word, we have Kyle and Talia. And your two minutes begins now. All right. So Talia wanted, she had something she wanted to mention earlier, and she's wants to take this opportunity to bring up, once again, another sort of additional point, which I don't know if is against the rules, but we're going to go for it, T, like another scenario that, again, just might sway people a little. What do you think? So if you had a hot dog day at school, you would obviously get a hot dog, not a sandwich. Mm. But if you had a sandwich at day at school, you would get a sandwich, not a hot dog. Mm. And if you got a hot dog on a sandwich day, everyone would be confused. But if you got a sandwich on a hot dog day, everyone would still be confused. Right. So it kind of removes this idea that it's a special sandwich, which I thought was a very interesting point to think of through here. They're two different things. Like it might seem like they're the same thing, but to me, it's like two totally different things. Yeah. And based on what we've heard, a lot of different examples have been given. And we've thought long and hard about this hot dog being a special sandwich. And for us, we feel like the one of that definitive characteristic for us, we said that we didn't call it a property. What do we call it? A feature, right? You had said the feature of a sandwich that a hot dog doesn't have is that tuness to it. So like there being two things kind of holding it together. And when you modify, when you mess with that, when you want to, you have to like name it something different, like an open faced sandwich. So like a hot dog. So it's almost like a hot dog is a hot dog dog is a permanently open faced sandwich. I said this earlier. I don't know if I kept it in, but I remember putting this. I put a hot dog. Like if someone said like people usually say pass me a hot dog bun because it's like usually you would have like it's usually considered one bun just Mm. cut in half, but not all the way down. But then I said it's considered one bun unless it breaks because like people usually say pass me two pieces of bread so I can make a sandwich or pass me a, a bun so I can make a hot dog. So in summary, and this will be the last before our very, that got big, our summary here, we're going to say that a hot dog is like a mono meal and a sandwich is like a binomial. They're similar, but they're very distinctly different. So the Pierce family will say that a hot dog is not a sandwich. Yes, it is not. A wonderful mathematical comparison. And thank you all. That concludes our debate. Wow, you've given us so much to think about. And also, that was a ton of fun. Thank you. And now it is up to our listeners to take a moment, ponder all these amazing arguments uh, from both sides, and consider what resonated with you and which side you stand on. We'll pause for a moment here to give you a chance to think. Feel free to pause the podcast and think out loud with a friend. And we want to hear from you. What did you think of this? Which side are you on? Go to our Twitter at DebateMathPod to vote for who you think was more convincing in this debate. We will leave it up for one week and tally the results for the following Wednesday night. And huge thanks to all four of our guests. You were very thoughtful and respectful in this debate. No one was too loud, even though you got called out for it, John. Uh, it, was, <laughs> it was 
brilliant and cooperative. And I think we got into lots of good nitty gritty ideas here. Real quick, there's a few people we want to shout out to kind of help bring this to light. First, I want to shout out Justin Ion and Shelby Strong. They revived this debate at the NCTM Regional Conference in New Orleans. And upcoming, depending on when you're listening to this, the upcoming NCTM Indianapolis uh, conference, they are going to be reviving it again. And if you're in Indianapolis, definitely check that out. It's a ton of fun. And they go even deeper into this whole of a hot dog as a sandwich or as a tuna melt pizza. And we can't do this debate without also recognizing Christopher Danielson and Megan Schmidt and the whole sandwich chat, hashtag sandwich chat on Twitter. And also thanks to all of you who are listening and uh, have been listening to the podcast. We appreciate all of you. And we hope that each time that you listen to us, that you enjoy it, that you learn from us. And also don't forget to vote. It's our very scientific way to make sure we know who won. For zero prizes. Um, And as we wrap up, John, where can listeners find you? Yeah, I guess if you are listening, uh, there's a couple places that you can go. Kyle and I both are the co-hosts of the Making Math Moments That Matter podcast. So we also have a weekly podcast on math education, math. We talk with Chris, we talk with Rob, we talk with uh, teachers in the classroom, we talk with uh, lots of different people. Kyle and I share sometimes our thoughts on certain math education ideas. We put that on Monday morning. So if you're listening to this and you want a little bit more uh, math podcasting in your daily life or in your life, head on over to makemathmoments.com forward slash podcast. That's where you can find information out about it. Or you can just search in your podcast platform. Kyle, let you share the rest. Yeah. So, I mean, that's probably where friends who are listening to this probably would probably want to hop over to the podcast. We also have a lot of problem-based math units. We're really focused in on trying to be really intentional. Again, I had mentioned earlier about how much learning both John and I have done in our own content knowledge and things we wish we knew five years ago, 10 years ago. And we're really trying to find ways to get it out into classrooms. So if you head over to the makemathmoments.com website, you can check those out. And yeah, otherwise we'll be hanging out with you in your ears, hopefully on uh, Monday mornings. And you want to shout out some social media contacts if they want to tweet with you or something? Yeah, I was going to say the Make Math Moments account, Make Math Moments. I'm Mathlete Pierce on Twitter, but Make Math Moments, I think is on all the platforms. And then John. I'm Mr. R, I guess, dash or underscore, I think, geek on Twitter. And also we have a Facebook group, which is Math Momakers K to 12. So check that out as well. Awesome. Thank you all. And that concludes our podcast. All right. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Well, Math Moment Makers, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I know I did. And John, I think Mm -hmm. you did as well. What an awesome experience. And I don't know, for those who listen to our podcast quite regularly, I hope that you saw that this is just yet another structure, another way to bring in, again, this ability to get your students communicating Uh, using math discourse, reasoning, and proving. You'll notice we always are saying that we want our students convincing us, right? Like Mm -hmm. we want them to craft convincing arguments. We want them to be able to stand behind their work. And when you bring in this idea, this structure of debate into your classroom, you're really just giving yourself another opportunity for students to engage in that process. So that was a big takeaway for me doing the process. Like John, they set us up perfectly ahead of time to give us a framework of what this would look like and sound like, but I was still not exactly sure how it was going to go. And I felt like the entire process felt natural to me. Like, so I'm picturing my students. If I was to bring this into my classroom, sure, maybe at first using the structure, I might not be able to do it as well as Chris and Rob did in this conversation. But in time, I see us being able to position students to mm-hmm. feel mm-hmm. like they are able to debate and actually be able to communicate their thinking and their reasoning to others. So I don't know. I think it was a great experience for us. And hopefully others are going to uh, dive into their podcast a little bit more so that they can potentially bring this into their own classroom. Totally. And Kristen Rob, like you said, did a great job of facilitating this and posing the right questions at the right time. And I mm-hmm. think sometimes that's going to take some practice on our part, on the teacher's part to do this in the classroom. And that's why they've also dedicated some resources to help you do this. 
in your classroom, I know that you can head on over to lesniak.com slash podcast to check the podcast out. But if you just go to lesniak.com, L-U-Z-N-I-A-K.com, if you just go there, Chris's website has a ton of information of how you can get started in your classroom doing debates, examples of some debate topics. He also has a course on grassroots workshops to help you get started in your classroom as well. So check those resources out. And uh, we put all links to resources in our show notes page, as always. And you can head on over to makemathmoments.com forward slash episode 178. That's makemathmoments.com forward slash episode 178 to find all the links and resources from the episode you just listened to. Awesome stuff. And friends, listen, we've asked a couple times, head over and subscribe to their podcast. Uh, do us a solid. Subscribe to ours too, eh? Like, go ahead, hit that subscribe button over on YouTube. You can actually see us in these discussions each and every week. Plus, you'll get access to our weekly video, which is usually somewhere from like an eight minute to sometimes a 20 or 25 minute, depending if we're doing like a classroom sneak peek or something longer like that. But definitely hit that notification bell, hit that like button. And my friends, we will see you in the next episode. So until next time, I'm Kyle Pierce. And I'm John Orr. High fives for us. And high five for you. If you are a district leader of mathematics, a math coach, a math curriculum coordinator, a superintendent and principal, getting teacher buy-in for effective math teaching practice is top of mind. And plans only go so far. You can make you know detailed plans and, and carefully designed goals with clear objectives and key results that are measurable. But that can feel like it all falls flat if we can't engage our teachers in the work. Working with teachers who do not want to change their teaching practices is one of the most frustrating and challenging parts of our job. How do I help teachers engage in effective teaching practices when they keep pushing us away? If you can't reach the tipping point in mass adoption of effective mathematics teaching strategies, then it's, it's likely we won't see student improvement in mathematics. We have a free training uh, an accompanying workbook for leaders of mathematics like you. Uh, the, math, the Make Math Moments team, myself, John, and Kyle, walk you through our four-stage process uh, we use with district partners to create clear, measurable, sustainable PD action plans, but more specifically on how to also get teacher buy-in so that it drives student engagement. So step one, register for this free training, get your planning workbook, um, and then watch the training. Schedule some time on your calendar so you can watch it and go through the workbook after completing that workbook, you're going to have a clear, measurable vision, action plan for mathematics to get more teacher buy-in, but also be able to hit your goals for the 2024-2025 school year. So head on over to makemathmoments.com forward slash four stages to start this free training.